Well, hello, dear listener. Today is a bit of a special episode, a chapter that was already written before I put thought to form and words to whispered promises. It's one that my whole family has been waiting to reveal and one that God is still carefully revealing. So thanks for tuning in to a very personal announcement and a short reflection on what God has been speaking to us in the midst of it. This is chapter nine of A Grafting Story. Be fruitful and multiply. Many of us see adoption simply as a way some choose to grow their family here on earth. But God sees adoption as our divine heritage. How every person who claims Jesus as Savior and Lord becomes a member of the bloodline of heaven itself and becomes grafted into His family tree. So while this is the oldest story of all time, it's becoming new all over again for us. May it become so for you, too. I'm Nicole Ashley Fletcher. Welcome to A Grafting Story, a retelling of God's adopted family and a new telling of ours. Today marks the first day of Advent, December 1st, which throughout Christendom is the beginning of the journey to the manger, at least in our reflective church calendar. It's the day we start reading the Christmas story, again being ushered into the mystery in Mary's womb. It's the season of Emmanuel, God with us, born to us as a child. In many ways, it's kind of like a culmination of what we've been learning about together. The glory at the beginning of time, both wildlife and human life being planted and blessed by God, the master gardener. The seed of promise given to Eve, which would grow up and be given to us in Christ Jesus. And then that seed of salvation planted and grown up in us through the Holy Spirit, destined to do exactly what God planned for us from the start, to be fruitful and to multiply. Now, when we first hear this phrase in Genesis, it refers to God's directive to creation, how part of our very DNA is to replicate. And while the very basic understanding of this scripture would be simply to include procreation, whether sexual for mammals or asexual for some plant and subspecies, when considered together with all of the horticultural metaphors that follow, we come to know this command as one that continues to blossom the more we meditate on it. My daughter... She has a prophetic and a poetic mind. She always has been wiser than her developmental years and consistently challenges me to attempt to explain complex theology in the simplest forms. It's one of a teacher's greatest gifts. So one night in bed, she asks me without hesitation uh, or prompting, Mama, why would God make us 
If he is three in one and doesn't need us, why would he make us at all? Well, after a long pause, breathing in the wonder of it and the fear of it, the Holy Spirit thankfully delivered me. (laughs) My girl, I said, God is love and love is made to multiply. We spent the next 10 minutes or so thinking about all of the ways we give away love only for it to somehow grow all the more. You know, how how the very way love is in its form and function destines it for more. Remember that word we learned chapters ago, fecundity, (laughs) the capacity for abundant growth. Well, love has more fecundity than can be measured. That's why measurement statements of more than or same as or less than when it comes to love cannot compute because there's always more and it can never be measured. And one might think that love being precious and invaluable would need to be hoarded and walled up to be protected, but it's love vulnerable in a manger and on a cross, love laid down and given up freely that gives it power and strength. You see, God had to make us because love multiplies The seed had to be planted because love is meant to be fruitful. And whatever our families and the churches that bear his family name look like, our commissioning that comes in Matthew 28, you know that one where Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations? It's just a rephrasing of our creation mandate to be fruitful and multiply. It's just that now... We have the right vine to be connected to, to actually make it happen, not just in this life, but in the one that lasts forever. You know, it's so like God to make his story cyclical and whole. We are formed in him and then he is formed in us. He adopts us into his family as children, and the spirit of sonship gets conceived in us so Jesus can be born again and again into a world that needs to know him. A side note, one of the things I never mentioned a few weeks ago when we talked about the spirit of sonship were some of the details of the inheritance of the firstborn son. Well, in Deuteronomy 21, amidst all of the very detailed rules and regulations put in place for Israel to worship God, you come across this little passage on the rights of the firstborn, specifically a double portion of the inheritance, twice the blessing of land, livestock, authority, power, and esteem. This is the same double portion or blessing also given to Hannah in 1 Samuel 1, and what is then returned to Job to amend for all his suffering. Now, just like metaphors are important in scripture, numbers are too. I mean, just take an interesting trip through the Bible by studying numbers like three, 
7, 12, 40. It will light up the complexity of scripture and the mind of God like you have never seen. So double or two times or twice the amount is important. It doesn't just literally mean twice the amount of inheritance, but scholars believe it symbolizes the great generosity of God. So when Elijah blesses Elisha in 2 Kings 2, asking God for a double portion of his spirit to rest upon his predecessor, or when God promises Israel in Exodus that he'll give them twice the amount of bread on the sixth day so that they will eat abundantly on the seventh, it's a promise that we will be well taken care of by a generous God who loves to give of himself. It makes it all the more powerful then, thinking of Jesus, the firstborn among all creation, and his rightful double portion, both of the Spirit of God and the inheritance of God, which he then goes on to freely pour out for us and on us. It's uh, important to note that a double blessing for the firstborn, this multiplication of generous love, often comes after great despair. Love multiplied and love fruitful are often born and grown in difficult places. God's goodness isn't offered to the good seed. His goodness is the good soil that makes broken seeds flourish. The double portion that's given in Isaiah 61 is to replace shame and disgrace, devastation and ruin, so that the scriptures say everlasting joy can be ours. Verse 10 ends by saying, just as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Many years ago, God planted a seed in mine and my husband's hearts at different times, <laughs> through different methods, but that whisper of love began to grow. And we have done what was given to us to do. We've watered it and tended to it. In some seasons, we've tilled the soil, staring down at empty garden beds and frost-covered clearings. We have believed that there was a miraculous working under the dirt beyond what we could see and that God was going to make love do what he promised it was meant to do. And in an unexpected year of great devastation and ruin worldwide, in the middle of a collective family story that has chapters of shame and disgrace, a double portion has been given to us. <laughs> Our family has not just welcomed one, but two precious children. <laughs> I still can't believe it. And I laugh in glorious amazement at the sheer generosity of his love shown to each one of us in this party of now five. <laughs> My daughter, for example, you know, she's been praying for two siblings for just over a year now. <laughs> and after sharing the news with her, she exclaimed, God heard my prayer. 
You see, he's multiplying fruit everywhere. Now, uh, in real time, it's been a wild time <laughs> going from one to three. And while I can't go into all the details of this ever-evolving story right now in this moment, I can tell you that we are delirious with joy, exhausted emotionally and physically, still wrapped with bandages as we await the fusion of branch to stem that attachment that solidifies the careful graft, which promises to make us all more fruitful. So we would appreciate your prayers as we welcome and steward and parent and love our newest additions and continue pursuing God's heart and wisdom for how to take each next step before us. Many have gone ahead and we are continuing to learn from them because these are not stories and pages of fiction. These are lives created and consecrated, protected and upheld by a parent God who desires life to the fullest for his name's sake. So as I sit here tonight recording this while three children sleep I hope soundly tonight, <laughs> as I have much to rejoice over and faith that has sprung up times two in my soul. I pray this over you now. In closing, may God's generous love shown to you through Jesus become all the more fruitful in you by the Spirit. Would He multiply in your soul? your families, and your communities a double portion of all the abundance he delights to give you. Amen. Thank you for being a part of this with me and with my family, whether for a long while or just a short while, celebrating now and hoping for all that's yet to come. Thanks for listening in today. I hope you learned something new and felt encouraged along the way. If you are interested in hearing more, subscribe and leave a review so the content and message of this story can be found by other curious listeners. I'd also love to connect with you about any questions to share resources or to hear your grafting story. So send me a message. You can do that online. I'm on Instagram at Nick Fletch or NicoleAshleyFletcher.com. But more than any of that, please share this personally with anyone you know who might need to hear it. I'll be praying for you as you do. I hope to be with you again very soon. And until then, bye for now. <laughs>